Hi, I'm Sam, and I'd like to welcome Ken Douglas, a founder of the trademark of quality bootleg record label. Ken is known for making the first ever rock and roll bootleg, Great White Wonder, an album of Bob Dylan tapes. Welcome, Ken. How are you today? I'm fine. Well, all right. So when you started making Great White Wonder, did you like have any idea of what this whole bootlegging thing would turn into? Or did you just like say, you know, what the heck, let's do this? Neither. Uh, Dub and I and a couple friends had various tapes. And what we wanted to do, because we were too poor, we didn't have uh, tape players, we decided to, uh, to press the record. And we had to make 100 copies to make it. And we thought what we would do would be sell maybe 90 of them. And then we'd have 10 left and we could each have three or four copies. But it, it didn't work out that way because uh, the guy who was selling the record for us went into a store on Highland Boulevard uh, and uh, the guy bought all the records. There were none left for us. So it just turned into like a, a big, gosh, we got we to gotta press more records now kind of a thing. Or That's what it did. Wow. Well, it must have been a lot of work making all these records, right? Uh, no. We had the tapes, and we got a guy to make the master. We didn't do that. And I knew the, uh, I knew the guy at the pressing plant. The guy, it was Corlick Engineering on, uh, I think it was Hollywood Boulevard or Sunset, one of those streets. And uh, Pete pressed the records for us, and he had... Uh, wanted to know what we wanted to do for labels and we had uh, we said we didn't care and he had some i think it might have been a mexican band on Rakulian records and so he made the, he put those labels on it and he pressed the records and we bought jackets i forget where we bought the jackets we put the records in the jackets and they had no stamp they weren't called great by wonder they were just jackets in uh, in white uh, records in white jackets and uh a guy, a guy named Bill Bowers, who owned, I forget the name of his record store, but he bought all the records, and so we made more. Wow, so so you really just, you kind of went with your whole record-making thing, and did you, when you started, did you have any idea that it would turn into not just like 100 records and you'd keep like 10 for yourselves, but you'd be making thousands of them? No, we, did, we didn't know that. We actually thought it was against the law. And we wanted just to make our few and, and, and be done with it. And almost the whole time we did it, well, for the first six months or a year, we thought it, we thought it was against the law, but it wasn't, apparently, because it, no one had done it before like that, and so there weren't apparently laws against it. Hmm. Well, it... Had, had, had we known that, we would have made the money that uh, some of the people who copied our record made. Well, it, it did become illegal at some point, right? Yes, it did. Well, did you ever have like any legal problems or have to deal with any angry artists who, who tried to, to, I don't know, get who got mad at you for uh, making making those records? Well, let's see. There was this uh, guy we knew named Bob Hyde. He was in a, a group called Can Heat, mm-hmm. uh, The Bear. He actually came to us and wanted to know, could we bootleg him? Really? He thought it might help because it might help his sales. We had to tell him no, we didn't think we could sell it. Wow, that's that's really interesting that he like actually wanted you to to bootleg to help his sales. That's wow. So so no no angry artists then. No one no one came to you and and got mad. No, uh, 
we sort of had, I don't know, after Deb and I broke up and we, we had a rule, I had a rule that if somebody like, say, for example, Neil Young didn't like it, then we just wouldn't do his record. Wow. So you, you tried to be like, I guess, respectful about it. And that's, you know, good for you. <laughs> well, there's no point making them mad because, I mean, they could, I, I don't know. Actually, we didn't like them if they if they didn't like the bootlegs. So we, we wouldn't make them out of spite because we always thought that the bootlegs helped them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a, a lot of your bootlegs were certainly great, right? Like um, Great White Wonder had a lot of stuff that later got released, like officially by, by Dylan, right? Yeah, that, that be, became Great White Wonder because we, we were selling uh, some records to the free press uh, bookstore on uh, Fairfax and a girl that didn't know what to call it. And so she said, I'm just going to call this a Great Wet Wonder album. And then Dub decided to print up a stamp. Mm. Wow. That, yeah, that's really neat. You didn't even come up with the name. I, I guess it, it uh, b- became, <laughs> I don't know. It came up with itself. Yeah, yeah. And you didn't come up with the name of bootlegging either, did you? No, we did not. What did you think when like that that name like bootlegging and mixed with like trademark of quality? How how did you feel when you first saw that like in the press? Well, I liked I I actually liked it. Was it? Yeah, <clears throat> uh, trademark of quality. Uh, Dub would went to the bank to get a checking account, and they they asked him if he wanted a logo on the checking account. And he looked at all the logos logos and he liked the bank of america pig logo i guess it was for farmers hmm yeah see i guess you stuck with that as your as your trademark quality logo we did wow that that's really neat yeah I'm, i mean you must have have so many like bootlegging stories i i guess to tell were there were there any um albums that were specifically a pain to make no you mean that I that we we made it we didn't like them and, and we did it anyway kind of thing? I mean, yeah, sure. Or like, were, were there any uh, records that it was really hard to get the tapes of? No, people. It, people started sending them. Really? You you must have. It must have been hard to to select. No, I I got for example, I got a telephone call from a guy named Ted who owned a store called Records and Super Tape, and he called me and said that. Uh, he had something he thought I should listen to, and he did not know that uh, that Dub and I made these records. We we tried to keep that a secret, and Dub had a friend who uh, was hiding from the draft board at home. He was hiding at home, and when the authorities came to look for him, he said he was his brother, and he didn't know where he was, and they couldn't catch him. Oh wow! Huh. So his his name was Jim, and Jim was going around selling selling the records because everybody in the record business knew me and Dub. So so uh, this, this Ted called me and want, wanted me to listen to this tape. And he came over to my house at about eleven or midnight, and he played uh, what became uh, John Birch Society Blues and Stealing. He had these. I have no idea. He never said where he got these studio tapes. And then when I heard the tapes, I had to tell him. You know, because he wanted to know how to get a hold of the bootleggers, the people who made great wonder, because he wanted he wanted in on the action. And of course, we let him in on the action. And then we took those records to uh, I forget the name of the recording studio, and we mastered them, and they were 
playing really loud. Everybody in the studio could hear, hear them, and all kinds of people were coming. And we just sort of sat there and twiddled our thumbs and hoped no one knew what we were doing, and apparently no one did. Wow, yeah, that, that's really, really cool Um, that I, I guess you really got all those tapes. It, it always seemed to me like it must be so hard to, to find these things, but I, I guess not. No, it was, <clears throat> I guess it, it would have been hard if we were looking. <laughs> but uh, we weren't. And then uh, when Dub decided, well, heck, we'll just make our own. And Dub went and bought uh, a Nagra tape recorder and a Sunhauser mic. And, and he and uh, a friend just sort of went on tour with the Rolling Stones, flying in the same planes. But uh, the Rolling Stones didn't know what they were about. And uh, and they recorded Liber. That you know, I guess you could say that was hard to get because he had to actually go do it, but he really enjoyed doing it. So I guess that doesn't count. Yeah, I mean, going to see the Rolling Stones, right? Who's going to complain about that? Nobody. <laughs> yeah, wow. Well, gosh, boot, bootlegging just seems like such an interesting, like, I, I don't know, like, like thing, hobby kind of thing to do. I, I guess it's so much easier now with the internet. You can just, like, Google, like, I don't know, Rolling Stones bootleg, but... <clears throat> But, uh, yeah, it's really changed a lot, hasn't it? Well, here's what I, I did not know. Uh, I really liked the music and did it for the music. And when Vesta and I decided we were going to quit, uh, we sold everything we owned and, and we left the country. And I, when I say everything, I mean everything. Uh, all my bootlegs, all my records. And I did not know that bootleg records had become like Bitcoin hmm. and worth, and worth uh, lots and lots and lots of money. And now, you know... I was reading yesterday that every single concert that Bob Dylan's done has been recorded, and most of most of them are on YouTube. Yeah, they're just so so easy to find. It's crazy. So I, I guess, and I actually listened to a couple of them. I didn't copy them, but I played them, and they sound really good, better than the stuff we did. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I guess the the times they have a changed, right? You you can uh, you can. You no longer need to press the the records. No, you don't. Uh, and the, and the quality of the equipment, the recording equipment, is apparently way better. Mm, yeah, yeah. I mean, it must have with the the evolution of technology, right? That that's it. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, how do you decide like what you would make a bootleg album out of? I mean, what groups? Yeah, yeah. How'd you how'd you pick? Well, Bob Dylan was a good one. The Rolling Stones were good ones. And uh, I mean, we made mistakes. We did uh, we did a Donovan record. I liked Donovan at the time, and and who knew that he was going to uh, uh, pick up a Rolling Stones tour when the, the president of the United States decided the Stones couldn't come into the United States anymore, and Donovan couldn't, and John Lennon John Lennon couldn't because of drug convictions. And then Donovan went and uh, and uh, made a deal, I guess, with the government and uh, to denounce drugs. And he would sing at this, his shows. He took the took the tour over from the Stones, and he had this song, uh, Oh, National High, the best high in the world, you know. And the audience started walking out. We made this record, and no one wanted it. Wow, yeah. So you must have had, like, crates and crates, right? No, we didn't have crates and crates. We, we didn't make thousands of records. We made them as we needed them. Mm, okay, okay. I guess it was just a, a waste of work then, right? Well, it was a waste of work in that we might have had, I don't know, a couple hundred records, a couple three hundred records. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you printed like a, a few hundred just at the beginning and then waited to see if, if they'd succeed? No, we just, I don't, no, we weren't, we weren't like really, really big. It's, 
uh, Liver was big, and that was pressing a pressing plant right alongside Let It Bleed. Ooh, that must have been kind of stressful, right? <laughs> no. The guys, the guys at the pressing plant were okay. <laughs> you didn't like nobody. Nobody was like, "Oh, this is also the Stones." That's funny. <laughs> no, they were like, uh, "This is cash. That's good." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, I mean, money's money, right? Uh, actually, uh, Columbia had a pressing plant in uh, Santa Maria, and I'm probably guessing that they were the only pressing plant that did press bootlegs. I think they probably all press bootlegs, not for me and Dub, but for all the people that came after, uh, and a lot of people did. Yeah, so you were kind of pioneers, right? We were, but we were unwitting pioneers. Mm-hmm. That, that's really interesting. Like, I guess you, you didn't really know what would become of, of your, at the time, hobby, right? It, it wasn't even a hobby. I mean, well, actually, yeah. At, at, when Bill Bowers bought uh, the first 100 Great Wet Wonders, the first 100, they weren't Great Wet Wonders then, the first 100 records, we knew we, we probably had something. And and then when uh, uh, I can't even think of his name, uh, uh, this jockey on KPPC, which was a, a rock and roll station in Los, Los L.A., started playing it, we had a pretty good idea. Wow. And then when and then when all the radio stations, even the AM radio stations in L.A., were playing uh, uh, Carol from Liber, we we knew that. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we we knew we had a hit on our hand. It must be like so. I guess kind of surreal to hear. I guess you're yourself in a way on the on the radio right when i was i was i was driving on the santa monica freeway and uh and listening to carol <laughs> the guy carol came on i couldn't i almost i almost uh i can't say it but uh, i almost did it in my pants <laughs> that's funny wow wow yeah that's hilarious <laughs> gosh well music is just it's, it's really crazy how um I guess there's so many different version of versions of these these songs, um, whether they're like outtakes or live versions or what that you can just kind of pick from and and play with. Uh, yeah, a guy named a guy named Fred Heiglinger, who was old back then, uh, said he was told us he had a store called Catalina Music. They haven't thought of that in years. He told us that uh, Bob Dylan's manager was a friend of his, and there were some songs on. Seems like a freeze out that they hadn't copyrighted, mm. and they were they since they they fixed that. Oh wow! So I I guess did you almost get like tapes from the source then if it was from his manager? Or? No, no, no. It wasn't. He knew Bob Dylan's manager, and he sent him a copy of the record. Oh, we, we did no, you know, they we did not get tapes from them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would that would be kind of crazy. I guess kind of like canned heat if uh, if he asked you. <laughs> However, there was a radio station in Long Beach, KNOC, I forget the name of it, but it was the only, it was a FM radio station, and this guy named Elton John hmm. uh, went there, and he gave them, apparently that was the story that the disc jockey had of the tape that he got, and we did that record, and uh, we were told that he wanted it bootlegged because the record company wouldn't put it out. And we, I think we called the record "The Bitches Back," hmm. and I, and I don't know how story that how true that story is, but I know that the disc jockey gave us the tape. Hey, we I the mean, as long as you got the tape, right? As long as we got the tape. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Gosh, well, of all these like records you did, did did you have a favorite at all, or were they just all equally fun? 
No, I have to say I like Dub's Liver. That that was the uh, I must have played that record ten thousand times. <laughs> that's that's a, that's a wonderful record. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, hey, it certainly is a a good record, right? That's that's really interesting that uh that that one is is your favorite. I mean, I guess it was pretty successful, right? I like the fact that Rolling Stone magazine certified it gold. Wow. Yeah, reading your about yourself in Rolling Stone, that must be cool. <laughs> yeah, the the record industry was kind of kind of small back then. When it, when it got out that uh, that Dub when Dub's name got out, uh, a guy who owned a record store who I didn't particularly like and who had I don't know you might say he had a big mouth. He uh, wanted to know what happened to Dub, mm. and I told I told him that Dub and Jim went to Vancouver and opened a gas station. And three weeks later, I saw that in Rolling Stone. That's so funny! Whoa, a gas station was that like was that something you just made up, or did that actually? I, no, no, no! I just made that up on the spot. Wow, huh? I guess that they'll print anything you say, right? You you are the source. No, it didn't come from me. It came from uh, it came from the guy I told it to. <laughs> wow. That that's so nuts that I, I guess uh, word of mouth travels fast. Uh, yeah, and and in those days, Dub and uh, and Jim would go into uh, records that they thought were cool and would would reveal their identity, and uh, and uh, he would I guess he, I think he called himself Vladimir, and Vladimir was in the Rolling Stone was, was in the Rolling Stone three or four times. There were stories about him. Hmm. Oh, I remember the disc jockey's name that would play the records, B. Mitch Reed. In fact, one time he played uh, Percy's song by Bob Dylan, and I, and, and I called the radio station and, and told him that I missed the beginning. Could he play it again? And he did. But he was playing the tape, and, I, and we wanted that tape for a record. Oh, okay, okay. So that makes sense. So we recorded it off the radio. Oh, <laughs> that's funny. Hey, I guess, I guess you can do a, a lot of things to get tapes, right? Well, that was just a phone call. <laughs> Yes, yes, indeed. Wow, that's that's so cool. Your, I mean, your whole bootlegging story is fascinating, and people have like written books on on bootlegging, right? I know. My daughter sent me uh, Clinton Highland's book when we were in the Caribbean, and I read it. And uh, you know, he got a lot of stuff right. He got a lot of stuff wrong though. Mm. And and uh, somebody just did a book. Uh, about dub and uh, the publisher tracked me down and they sent me a copy of the book and which i which i thought was kind of nice they called me carl in that book <laughs> oh <laughs> and, and, they, and they called dub the pig man interesting they have like i guess nicknames for you is that like a privacy thing or no uh they didn't tell me i didn't know they i didn't know the book was being made you know and uh dub didn't want to use my real name because they thought i might not like it i don't care and so they called me carl hmm yeah, that's really, that's funny. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care about that either. I don't, I've not been shy. I don't care if, you know, uh, when we came back, to, we, we left America for a long, long time. And when we came back, my daughter told me, Dad, you know, they're talking about you on the Internet. And she told me about a couple of sites, and I couldn't believe that anybody was still interested. Yeah, I, I mean, bootlegging has turned into, they're like a bunch of sites, like bootleg Wikipedia, I think it is some a lot of internet forums. It, there's stuff on this this kind of a thing everywhere, right? It, yeah, and uh, I can't believe every now and then I look at eBay and I see how much stuff this stuff is going for. And uh, you know, I've got uh, friends on Facebook who uh, are collectors, you know, and I really appreciate them. Uh, you know, and every now and then they ask they ask me questions, and if I can remember. That's the problem. You know, it was a long time ago. 
Mm-hmm. And I wrote some I wrote some stuff on a blog, and I titled the blog. It could have happened this way because I'm not quite sure. Sometimes, <laughs> really, wow. I guess it was a while ago, right? It was a while ago. Well, gosh, yeah, that's you know, Ken, your story is so interesting. Like your your bootlegging story, all this music, it's so fascinating. I I I still I can't believe I'm I'm talking to the guy that made the first ever rock and roll bootleg. That's so cool. I can't believe it's that big of a deal. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess I I actually. Uh, who was the guy that's who found me? The Sam, what's his name? Oh, I'll think of this guy's name before this is over. Sam, somebody or other. He made a documentary that was on HBO about the new basement tapes. Oh. And, and he's a photographer, and uh, he photographs really famous people. I, I'm a photographer, and I don't photograph really famous people, but he photographs really famous people. People you would know because uh, they're in the movies all the time. Oh wow! And he does documentary. He does documentaries, and he did one about the new basement tapes. His plan was that he would interview me, and he'd interview Bob Dylan, and he would uh, he would uh, intersperse uh, what we were saying during the the uh, recording of the new basement tapes. Mm-hmm. And and so uh, he wanted to know could he pay to fly us down to uh, Hollywood? We said no, but we drive down for free. <laughs> and so we, so we drove down and the only money we got was he insisted on paying for a hotel room. And that was kind of nice. And we met at a record store and they had a film crew there. And they interviewed us for about or me for about, I don't know, a couple, three hours. And uh, after that, he, when the interview was over, he, he did a close shot with the camera and said, "Okay, you're talking to Bob Dylan now. Oh. Uh, is there anything you want? To, is there anything you want to say?" And I said, "Sorry, Bob." <laughs> and suppose, and then he asked me not to tell anybody about the interview and what happened until two weeks before it was aired on HBO. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't. So we didn't tell anybody. You know, he said, "Don't." You know. Uh, it's a really common last name, Brown or Smith or something. Sam Brown, Sam Smith. Uh, he didn't want us to tell anybody, and so we didn't. And then two weeks before, I went on my Facebook page, and I got about 4,600 followers, not because of bootlegs, because I'm a writer. And so I told everybody, I'm going to be in this HBO special. It's airing on this day. And uh, he's going to talk, you know, and he's, it's going to be me and Bob Dylan and uh, this new band called New Basement Tape. So all my friends, everybody on Facebook who knows me, you know, they all tuned in. And guess what? Hmm. He Not only did he cut Bob Dylan out of it, but he cut me out of it, too. Really? It was just a new, bas- just a new basement tape <laughs> band. How do you cut Bob Dylan out of his own documentary? Uh, well, you don't. They, he must have cut himself out. Oh, yeah. That, that makes sense. Did you ever, like, did he ever respond to, to your uh, apology, or did he even see it? <laughs> no. I think he's done quite well. Mm-hmm. With, uh, I think the whole bootleg business was very good for him. Yeah, yeah, probably. I mean, you, you did make a bunch of Dylan stuff, didn't you? Oh, no, no. Bob Dylan made a bunch of Bob Dylan stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, he's, he's got the bootleg series. And he's oh, doing very oh, yeah. Well with it. Yeah, what? He's on like 17 now that just released? 18? Yeah. Something like that. I remember, I remember uh, there was a, a Who Live album, and they made it look like a bootleg way back when we were when we were doing it. You know, I mean, that was really something. Mm-hmm. You, you made like, it was Who's Zoo, right? No, uh, Dub and I were no longer together when when that came out. Dub oh, did that. I see, I see. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we went our separate ways uh, before that. Mm-hmm. Why? Why was that? I still don't know. <laughs> I don't. Re- <laughs> I guess 
I've always liked Dub, and we got along just fine. It just sort of worked out that uh, he went one way and I went another way. Wow, yeah. And you, you both suppose, followed bootlegging. I, I, I suppose I could blame somebody, but, you know, I'm too old to blame anybody anymore. <laughs> well, all right, yeah. That's that's really interesting. And and th- thank you so much for talking to me, Ken. Like, hearing your, your bootlegging stories about, like, the Stones, your Dylan stuff, it's just so cool to me to be able to, to hear all this this crazy music stuff that's just so interesting to me oh there were it, it was it became very fascinating there were a lot of people who were doing it and there were some people uh who really cashed in i mean they copied our stuff exactly you, you could hardly tell the difference the collectors now know because they know to look at the stamper covers but there's, there's some people who, <laughs> who did very well and uh, we were not quite as smart as them, you might say. <laughs> That's funny. Gosh, yeah. But but thank you. Thank you so much, Ken. I'm Sam, and I hope you enjoyed that interview with Ken Douglas, a founder of the Trademark of Quality Bootleg Record label. If you did enjoy that interview, make sure to check out my back pages on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or pretty much any other podcasting platform for many other great interviews just like this one.